The following is a message given by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. All right, so pleasant morning, Grace Family Church. Yes, I'm glad for another opportunity to preach God's words to you this morning. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 12 or find it on your devices. We are continuing in our series called Follow the Sun, a journey through the Gospel of Mark. And the title of my sermon this morning is Loving God First and Others Second. Let's pay attention to God's words as his son, Jesus Christ, points us to the most powerful emotion and its accompanied actions that should be directed to God first and then others. So Mark 12, verses 28 through to 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no one, there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You know, people express or experience love in different ways. You know, some through words of affirmation, some through quality time, some through receiving gifts, some through acts of service, and some through physical touch. And <laughs> I just heard someone shout out, yes. <laughs> and, people, and people do all kinds of things for love, whether this is for parents, children, spouse, girlfriend, boyfriend, relative, friend. Moreover, some people love 
fame, some status, some possession, some power, some money, some politics, some religion, some sports, etc. Some people love money so much that they would participate in clinical trials. Some become sperm donors, some become nude models, some become prostitutes, and some murder for it. Even Tuesday gone, NBC News reported that a prominent South Carolina lawyer arranged for another man to kill him earlier this month so that his son could collect on a $10 million life insurance policy. However, the lawyer survived the shooting to his head. Was this a father's love for his son coupled with his own love for money, possessions, etc., that could drive him to make such a preposterous choice? Altogether, it seems that love is very powerful and important to people with the strong emotions and actions that are tied to love how can we appropriately demonstrate it in all our relationships and lives as believers well in our passage today we are going to see that jesus believed that a person's most important way to live their life was by loving god first wholeheartedly and then loving others. This was central to understanding God's law and obeying its instructions. Therefore, the real crux of the matter is, what does it entail to love God first? And what implications does that have on how we love others and even the things God allows us to have? As a matter of fact, here's what I want you to consider today. That loving God and others are central to being God's law and being Christ's disciples. You know, the fruit of a believer's life shouldn't only be marked by their involvement in religious duties and activities, but should be evidenced by the good relationship which they have with God and others. Yet with the fast pace, long hours, and hostile environments, some of us working, attend school, etc., we can often neglect cultivating these relationships to our own detriment. We should have the priorities. And in this text, we see that loving God and others are central to obeying God's law and being Christ's disciples. You know, for this text, I believe Mark wants to highlight Jesus' view that God's law at its heart is obeyed through love, which I will present in two main points. And they're simply, one, Love God first. <laughs> Two, love others second. 
So let's begin with main point one, love God first. In verse 28, we begin with where Joel left off last Sunday. When the, you know, when Jesus had challenged the Sadducees' faulty understanding of the resurrection by affirming that it actually takes place. But the resurrection isn't a continuation of the marital relationships as they exist now. After the resurrection, those who were previously married to each other would be like the angels. No intimate or romantic relationship there. Now, a scribe or a religious teacher of the law who would have been an expert at the law of Moses and the traditional rabbinic writings was standing there listening to the debate and believed that Jesus answered the Sadducees well. Now, based on what we know, the rabbinic tradition consisted, I want you to hear this, you know, of 613 commandments in the Torah or the first five books of the Bible. That is from Genesis to Deuteronomy. Interestingly, the religious leaders came up with these 613 commandments because the Ten Commandments in Hebrew had 613 letters. So they said they had to be 613 laws or commandments. Isn't that crazy, right? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Anyways, these 613 commandments were broken down into 300, one for each other year, 365 negative commandments and 248 positive commandments. Furthermore, some of these commandments were considered light and did not demand serious consequences or ramifications for disobedience. But that was not the case for those considered heavy. However, none of them could possibly keep all 613 laws. Therefore, the rabbis concentrated on keeping the heavy or the ones they believed were more important. They hoped this would satisfy God. Nonetheless, they could not keep those as well and continually reduce them to only a few key ones. But they were unsuccessful with these few as well, and eventually kept only the man-made traditions, which were easier to observe. I want you to hear this, you know. So these religious leaders in Israel made their laws so complicated that even a scribe, a teacher of the law, was unable to comprehend what was the heart or the centrality of the Mosaic law. Grace Family Church, this issue that the religious leaders face is one that we need to seriously consider. 
You know, are there ways or are there things which we have instituted as a church, which are creating hindrances to persons wanting to serve the Lord? While we may be more liberal or casual in terms of how we dress, are there practices that we have that are unnecessarily burdensome? We would love to get your feedback on that, seriously. (laughs) But let's return to verse 28. You know, the fact that the scribe was okay with Jesus' answer suggests, well, to me, that he was likely a Pharisee. He then asked Jesus, which commandment is most important of all? According to Gedert, the question is not about chronology, which was given first, and strictly about priority, which is more important than the others. It has more to do with centrality. Which commandment is at the heart of the law? Which commandment makes the keeping of all the others both possible and meaningful. Which commandment determines the proper application of all the others? And Jesus answered in verses 29 through to 31, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I will focus on verses 29 through to 30 now and address verse 31 later. So Jesus answered in verses 29 to 30 by quoting the first part of the Shema, which is in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through to 5. Now the Shema was recited by every devout Jew morning and evening, affirming that God is one. Jesus using the written word of God to answer the scribe's question is also instructive for us because it shows that Jesus was very much into what the scriptures said. You know, the Greek word agapeo, translated love here, refers to the way God loves unconditionally and sacrificially regarding sinful men and his beloved Son. Thus, we know that this commandment, this commandment to love, cannot be fulfilled by us without God's assistance. I want you guys to hear that, you know. This commandment to love cannot be fulfilled by us without God's assistance. Shnabel notes. 
The point of this commandment is to be totally and unreservedly committed to God with one's entire being. The terms heart, soul, and mind are all roughly equivalent, describing the human mind and will from slightly different perspectives. The heart is the center of human thinking and affections. The soul is the source of desires and feeling. The mind signals thinking and understanding. The strength points to one's energy and power. Again, I'm sure Grace Family Church, you would agree that there has been no one except Christ that has loved God the Father in this manner. Sinclair Ferguson says, God is never satisfied with anything less than the devotion of our whole life for the whole duration of our lives. Brothers and sisters, only Christ can allow us to love like this. Grace Family Church, what are some of the ways we are honoring God today with our lips, but our actions do not line up? We may not be involved in grievous sins, but our hearts are filled with idolatry and covetousness. Tell the truth. If God takes away things that you cherish or doesn't give you what you want, don't you often get upset with him? For example, are there jobs some of us have applied for and you felt disappointed with God because you didn't get it? Grace Family Church, think about it. Do we express our love to God daily? Is he your passion do you enjoy spending time with him do you tell others about him do you seek to obey his words we're not trying to gain god's love he has demonstrated that to us already we do this in response to our knowledge of this truth you know, while I've been addressing Jesus' response to loving God's first, let's go on to the other part, which is our main point, number two, which is love others second. In verse 31, it says, the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Here Jesus quotes Leviticus 19, verse 18 and 34. Also, the first commandment, I want you to think about this, the first commandment actually guarantees the second. They cannot be separated. This command must not be twisted into a call for self-love, which is natural. Because let's think about it. It says to love your neighbor as yourself. 
So, you know, many people would want to twist this and say, well, all right. Well, Jesus said, I must love myself. So anything what I want, I'm going to just pour it for myself because this is what the Bible said. No, no, no. This isn't about that. Um, a matter of fact, in the Bible, it is understand that people love themselves wholly. Trust me. A matter of fact, most of what we read about, about is about how selfish we are because we love ourselves so much. So understand that Jesus is not t- twisting this up. What he's actually saying is that self-love is good. And a matter of fact, for us who, um, I believe, you know, we're going through this pandemic and stuff like this, we need to express self-care. And self-love is, is, is good. But don't twist this. Anyway, so self-love is natural, but this is not the intent. The Lord's point is that we are to have the same love and care for neighbors and strangers and enemies that we possess for ourselves. With this in mind, I want to, I, again, I, I, I need to say, because Joel told me about something, maybe about two weeks ago, about someone who was saying, well, in this time, I don't really have, ex- have to express any self-care. No, 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 no. I do believe we need to eat properly. We hear people say, what? Shall I say this? <laughs> and you need to get adequate amount of rest, especially during this time in the pandemic. Yes, funny enough, yes, those are the two things everyone has always been on my case about. However, I can say I am making baby steps in the right direction. Baby, baby steps. Operative word. but but let's think about this let's think about this um i told you that jesus in in this part he was referring to leviticus 19 verse 18 and don carson examined the context in which leviticus 19 18 was located and i want you to hear this it says there you discover that loving your neighbor as yourself means a lot. Among other things, it means that you will, one, care for the poor, Leviticus 19, verse 10. Two, not steal, Leviticus 19, 11. Not lie, Leviticus 19, verse 11. Four, be fair in business dealings, Leviticus 19, verse 14. Care for the deaf, Leviticus 19, verse 14. Care for the blind. Leviticus 19, verse 14. Deal justly with all. Leviticus 19, verse 15. Avoid slander. Let me say this 10 times. Avoid slander. Leviticus 19, 16. Leviticus 19, 16 says what? Avoid slander. Number nine. Not jeopardize the life of your neighbor. Leviticus 19, verse 16. Not hate your brother in your heart. Leviticus 19, verse 17. Many people don't know, so this is in Old Testament, you know. Little bit, um, number, nine, number 11, sorry. Rebuke your neighbor when necessary for his and your good. Leviticus 19, verse 17. Number 12. And not take revenge or bear a grudge against another. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Wow. 
Doesn't this give you a perspective on loving your neighbor as yourself, which many people have never thought about before? This was the context in which Jesus drew that, um, <laughs> that passage from. So Jesus says, there is no other commandment greater than these. I want you guys to notice that Jesus uses commandment. You realize it's singular, right? Commandment, singular, though he has quoted two commandments. There is no grammatical error because of the two commandments are intimately related to in each other. In short, the inevitable proof of our love for God is love for men, especially believers. And we see that in 1 John 2, 9-10, chapter 3, 17, 4, 8, verse 12. Moreover, concerning the Ten Commandments, you know, if you were to look at the Ten Commandments, say look at the first four commandments in the Ten Commandments, it speaks to loving God first. And then if you look at Commandments 5 through to 10, which those six, it speaks to loving um, others or, ma or mankind. So, so understand that Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about when he says loving God first and then loving others second, all right? Now, I know some people can make it difficult to love them. Tell, tell the truth. Tell the truth. Though some people can make it difficult to love them because of maybe what they have said or what they have done to us. But as Utley says, I want you guys to hear this because I think this is going to be a kick for, in the gut for some people. It is impossible to love God and hate those made in his image. Let me say it again. It is impossible to love God and hate those made in his image. <laughs> in verses 32 to 33, we see the scribe now addresses Jesus as a teacher, implying his acknowledgement of Jesus' expertise as a teacher. You know, constable, and that's the surname of someone. We're not talking about a police officer here. But constable indicates that Mark alone records the scribe's response. And Jesus' comments in verse 34. These words underscore the importance of Jesus' teaching. The scribe they believed Jesus' answer was correct. He too viewed love as more important than the observance of religious ritual. This was not typical of the Pharisees who regarded ritual observance as more important than attitude and ceremony as more important than morality. That's crazy, isn't it? Herbert notes that Jesus' reply is a compliment as well as an appeal to the scribe. His realization of the primary importance of love had placed him spiritually near the kingdom of God, the reign of God in the lives 
of his people. He had come a long way for his scribe, but not far from made clear that he must go further and accept that love in the person of him who was the kingdom incarnate. Whether or not he actually entered it is written on the yet unread page of its history. Jones remarks, not far from the kingdom, how aptly it describes the condition of many in our midst. Let's think about that. You know, we know Jesus' comment about the scribe being not far from the kingdom of God in Mark's gospel would have been very encouraging. In fact, it would have reminded the early Christians that eventually thousands of priests, Pharisees, and Jews zealous for the law had come to faith in Jesus as Israel's Messiah, challenging them not to give up on people who were not far from the kingdom of God. Similarly, GFC, don't we know many churchgoers and respectable persons who seem near to the kingdom? But should we, but we shouldn't just get complacent, right? Since we know if we do that, what would happen? Well, if they don't repent and believe in Christ, you know, as their Savior, they will go to hell and face the consequences of that. Eh? Thus, we ought to challenge them not to give up. Something sounds strange there. We, so, we ought to challenge them not to give up. I know. <laughs> as, you know, as we just spoke about the many who became saved, that should really spur us on. You know, I'm sure as we consider how long the journey is taken for some of them to become saved, it can be frustrating and discouraging for us, right? It can. Especially when you look at some persons and you're like, Mind them people go to a church from them either and them knee and all know you, them are not, they're not truly safe. And sometimes these are people you love, sometimes it's families, friends, it's people you, you check for, as we would say in Jamaica. Eh? It, can, it, it can become discouraging. But we need to keep praying for them and pointing them to Jesus who saves to the uttermost. As Hebrews 7 says, it, Hebrews 7 says, save to the uttermost them that draw near unto God. You know, the last comment Mark made concerning this situation in verse 34 was, and after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So we see that Jesus had successfully answered the questions which sought to trap him from the chief priests, the scribes, the elders. We see that in chapter 11 and 12, from the Pharisees and the Herodians. We see that in chapter 12, from the Sadducees in chapter 12. And now a scribe who have fallen 
in one of the previous groups and has no affirmed the wisdom and the truth of Jesus' teaching. You know, altogether, I hope today you are challenged to consider that loving God and others are central to obeying God's law and being Christ's disciples. You know, as I close, I hope today we saw repeatedly that only Jesus has loved God with agapeo love. Only he has loved with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his mind and with all his strength. And we know Jesus' death on the cross had him lovingly obeying God, his Father, to demonstrate his love for others. We benefited from that love. And by us telling others about that love, they will get the opportunity to experience it as well. You know, the Apostle John in 1 John 4, verses 7 through to 12, briefly discusses the notion of God and love, which I believe is a fitting way to end. Which reads, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let's pray. You have just listened to a message by Sheldon Campbell, a pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.